Hello, friends. It's Trevor. It's Avery. It's Pat. It's a citywide special. Uh, big news. Lots of things happening today. The Eagles lost a bunch of guys in the matter of hours. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be going over Joel Embiid, MVP stuff, What else? whatever else is going on with the Sixers, a little bit of Flyers stuff. Uh, how are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm chilling, man. It's the uh, the legal tampering period, as they call that, which, like, you know, like, so it's always been such a weird thing to me that you're legally allowed to tamper. Like, in other sports, like, I'm thinking the NBA, like, tampering is very much illegal. It costs the six well, draft, draft picks. picks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the NFL abides by different rules, and uh, yeah, it's been an exciting sports day. Pat, what about you? How you living? Pretty good. I can't complain. You know, we had the big St. Patty's Day Parade on Sunday, Philly. Great, great day for it. Um, but, yeah, this time of year is great. I love it. You know, basketball is kind of getting to one of the more peaks of the season. NFL free agency is popping off completely. You got the excitement of baseball and spring training and fun prospects to look at. So it's a very – I love this time of year. And when you start off the first day with a lot of moves, it usually goes more in our favor. You know, like last year, two years ago with Howie Roseman, we're usually waiting for our wizard to – sign us the big name but it was tough today it felt like every other hour like on my phone i'm like man there goes another one there goes another one and we knew this was coming yeah yeah i think like this was all pretty predictable um i mean typically the eagles are want to sign guys like or to extend guys during the season and you didn't really see any of that this year um so you kind of knew like a lot of these guys are free agents they're on one-year deals and how he even said, there's no way we're going to be able to keep all these guys. It just isn't reasonable to expect it. But uh, with that being the case, like, this was an interesting day. I, mean, it's, I knew it would be tight, but <clears throat> this was tough, man. I mean, we're, we're, we're broke. We're real broke. We can't, you know what I mean? We can't even keep Epps. <laughs> you know? I mean, <laughs> God. I knew Hargrave, you know, you got guys like Hargrave. You got, you know, they're going to – at least float offers for Slay. He's still locked up, so I'm not worried about him going anywhere. Bradbury, maybe, you know, CJGJ. <clears throat> I don't know if he's going to come back. I mean, and I know Bradbury said that he's going to show every offer he gets to Howie, but the way these guys, these contracts are flowing around today, we can't compete with that market, especially with the big man coming up with Jalen Hurts has to get paid. So, you know, I mean, I know we have the two first-round draft picks. They're going to be able to cover up maybe – you lose Sanders, you could pick up a guy like B. John Roger, you know, Robinson or, or Gibbs from, from Alabama, but you're going to have a lot of holes on that defense. Even Andre Dillard left. Yeah, he's gone too. Yeah. Damn, even the backups can't keep. Yeah, I saw that we re-signed Brett Toth, and I was like, damn, that's it, baby, Brett Toth. We're made in the shade. Come on. But uh, it, it kind of paints a grim picture of uh, the first day of free agency that – Brett Toth is like your high profile signing. Um, and like, you know, Graham and Kelsey, it feels good to keep those staples, right. but like that was a given. Like, I don't, I don't get jazzed up seeing that. It's more of like a, oh, cool, like they're back, you know, one more year, it's fine. But you're looking at the extra free agents out there right now and what we have to work with, it's like a tight game of Monopoly. Like, okay, are we going to bank off of Calais Campbell coming in here for a year to hope that he's like in Indomitasu or Haloti not? I know, but this is what we... He's ha- older than me. This is all we got to deal with if you're going to bring any free agents in. True. Yeah. The market's not really that big with our budget. Yeah. Going to have to uh, score a lot of points this year, I think. Which I think was kind of... Kind of knew that the whole time. Like, that the, 
we're going to lose all these guys. I mean, I don't, I didn't know we were going to lose like everyone on defense. And I guess it's not everyone yet, but um, defense is definitely going to take a hit. But the good thing is they still. I mean, the offense is pretty much all intact. There's no real, um, no big pieces gone. And you figure you still keep the defensive front, you know. So we lost Edwards. You know, our linebacker core is going to be depleted, but Nakobe Dean gets a chance to step up. You lose Hargrave. But then you figure Jordan Davis should should get a full year of losing some more weight, getting more in shape. You probably pick up a D lineman in the draft. You know, maybe another free agent who's kind of on a senior contract kind of level. But you end up keeping Slay. Maybe you pick up a you know a rookie corner who could be a standout. And like you said, the offense should still be fine. You're going to have a healthy Goddard, AJ Brown, like Devont. That offense is going to be flying high. And if you land a nice rookie running back. Or Eckler, yeah. but they don't have money for it. Or him, anyone but. that's a decent I just I just want a uh just a decent pass catching running back. I mean, that's the one thing that like drove me crazy about Miles Sanders. This guy gives you nothing totally in the unreliable. Game. They just have a guy who can be their number one who can actually catch a pass and be a threat in the running game. That offense is gonna be crazy. Yeah, I think I think the offense will be fine. Like, quite frankly, they don't need to sign a high profile running back. You could put one of us behind that offensive line, we'd probably pick up 500 yards. Like, the offense will be good to go. You figure another year of Devontae Smith's development, another year for Hurts and A.J. Brown to develop chemistry. I kind of look at it as though if Sean Desai is a halfway decent defensive coordinator, then he's going to be able to do more with average talent than what we saw with Jonathan Gannon with, with what was a stacked defense. Right. So, like... As long as they can, you know, be middle of the pack. I think the Chiefs were like 16th, 17th in defense by a lot of metrics. And I mean, shit. Yeah, they have Patrick Mahomes, but they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I, mean, like, I think that's the way the league has been trending the past decade or whatever. It's, I mean, it's pretty clear that offense is just more important than defense. Like, that's just the way it is and now. It's just speed. You look at that Seattle secondary, too, the way he was able to get those rookies to play. I mean, he arguably had defense. He had a defensive rookie of the year candidate back there. So, I mean, if you, you get him in here with these corners here, too, I mean, Slay's a great teacher as well. Um, I'm glad we didn't bring in Matt Patricia. I mean, oh, I know God. that was rumors, but I'm like, come on now. We don't need to be messing up the locker room, It you know, purposefully here. That would have been a horrible move. Yeah, that's that sounds like something that someone just made up to start shit, dude. Like, I, I, like there's no part of my mind that ever thought that that was gonna happen. But it was like, I was like, where is this coming from? Who is making this shit up? <laughs> right. As a, you're gonna lose all your linebackers, you're like, you know who we can bring in to save the day? Matt Patricia. It's like, what, yeah. dude? Just imagine watch like- him and Darius Slay get into it. <laughs> I mean, that would be cool to see. Uh, you know. Darius, Darius Slay assault uh, fucking Matt Patricia. <laughs> that would just be our luck. We go to the Super Bowl the next year. It literally, the plane is just crashing, crashing and burning. They're like, let's let's try to bring in a, a locker room cancer. Dude, the dynamic between Nick Sirianni and Patricia would have been pretty goddamn funny, though. Like, you have Sirianni, who's just this high energy, like, cheerful, jovial guy, and, like, Patricia, who's just a stone-faced, just mean looking doesn't care like he creeps me out though too yeah. to be honest he's got those weird creepy eyes like he's got yeah. some skeletons in that closet yeah. he reminds me of mike zimmer but like 20 years younger mm-hmm. like i can imagine mike zimmer d coordinator for the eagles with sirianni that would have been hilarious if that ever happened but he'd be like coaching with his dad the guy's all serious <laughs> sirianni's like ripping you know shots and shit like that on the sideline zimmerman's giving him that dirty look like come on man 
Yo, speaking of Sirianni ripping shots, you guys seen the video of him at uh, Brewers Town Tavern? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. New Jersey Stable. Yeah, yeah. I want to go to uh, – I would drink in New Jersey for a night if I knew I had a chance of running into Nick Sirianni. Like, that'd be pretty <laughs> awesome to just wander into some towny bar. You see Sirianni there just buying just shots for all the people. Absolutely rip with Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I'd pay good money for that. Um, you know what else I'd pay good money for would be – to drink mezcal with Jason Kelsey. Did you guys oh. see that video the other day? <laughs> is that what it, was? It, is, was it mezcal or tequila? Howie was talking about like mezcal. I, I could, I can't prove to you that it was, but Howie wouldn't say Let's it was mezcal. mezcal. I like it mezcal. Wasn't, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Howie with the weird. Because well, you're hug. not supposed to. You're not really supposed to like shoot med- mezcal right. like that. <laughs> Just like Howie's a millionaire Howie. and he's he's. Yeah, well, got Kelsey coming back. He's feeling himself a little also, bit. Also, I don't think a guy like Kelsey really cares to be sipping booze. He's a big enough guy. I feel like well, he's yeah, like, yeah. I'll just rip this shit. But it's good to have him back. You know, you love to see the staples come back. Excited yeah, to see. Yeah, Kelsey coming back's nice. You can put Jurgens at guard. You know, basically like like literally just going under uh, Kelsey's wing there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then probably you know sign a veteran guy to to back up. I mean, the thing is, too, they have guys. I'm not – the O-line, I'm not – the only thing yeah, that I, I mean, was worried about today was just defense. I mean, we're going to get absolutely scalped defensively. But offensive line-wise, you got Johnson still there. Kelsey's still there. Milana's there for a while. Uh, what's it called? Landon Dickerson is a beast. So, you figure Simuala, even if he does go, you He's have, probably gone, but you yeah. Know, yeah. I don't want to have Jurgensen next to Kelsey just because they're both kind of undersized for their position. And, like, you put – Kelsey in between Dickinson and and Simualu, at least there's some cushion there. I would rather draft a big boy or get another kind of larger bodied person just because yeah. I haven't, I be, we, yeah. we haven't seen what he has. And I wouldn't I, be surprised if they draft another. Uh, and we're playing a lot of tough defenses. And San Fran, I had that one ready to roll, and now they got Hargrave on that other side now too. That's going to suck. Dude. I hated that he went there. He's yeah. getting he got paid. paid. I know, Good but I wish him. he went anywhere Average else. I'm like, San Fran, oh. Average M value of twenty one million a year for a thirty year old D tackle, like that's when you know the market's been set way beyond what the Eagles can budget. Like, I wonder, man, if like Hargrave going to San Fran means that they're incentivized to bring Cox back if you if would he's think, willing yeah. to take a because I mean all of a sudden like defensive tackle is now one of their like weakest <laughs> units right. when it was one of their strongest. But you figure too, it was honestly not that. You know, even with Hargrave last year, you had Hargrave and, uh, and Cox, okay? And then you got Jordan Davis coming in the back wing, having that little rotation. So you only lose Hargrave. If you bring back Cox, like I said, there's older free agent guys out there. I mean, uh, Linval Joseph and Indomica Sue played their asses off, and that was a great mid-year pickup. And they were healthy, and they did just enough to kind of fill that gap. Knock on wood, if Cox again has a healthy year with a rotational kind of friendly defense, that's the other thing. We don't know what this defensive scheme is going to look like. Are we going to, you know, it's built on rotational value up front and they're getting older. If you take that away, I don't know how that's going to shape out. Yeah. Yeah. It should be pretty interesting to see like how Sean Desai wants to coach his, uh, his defensive front. Like, I don't really know a whole lot about the guy. Like, I don't know if you guys do, but uh, yeah, you figure you're going to be looking at rotating guys in and out. You'll have Davis, obviously Um, you'll have Milton Williams, who, he came on at the end of last year. Like, I think he's a really fine rotational piece. And, uh, yeah, maybe you bring Cox back. You probably still need at least one other solid D tackle. They have your Marlon Tui Pelotus of the world. But between you and me, I don't feel great about that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, they're going to have to do something at D-tackle, possibly through the draft. Um, what about that kid, Jalen Carter, the one that's under investigation? From, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it sounds like there's an outside chance he could slip to t- – I mean, I don't know. I'm he's not, the one I'm that not drove looking, away not, hit the – Yeah, he's, yeah. like, somewhat involved. I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> somewhat. Didn't he hit the coach? Didn't he hit them? Or drove? Uh, I don't know the exact yeah. details. I just know he's under investigation. There's like some skepticism. Yeah, is we're gonna like wait until the, the investigation runs its course. And we'll <laughs> I don't know, but, man. I mean, I feel like there's a lot more guys than a potential baggage one. Yeah, I don't know. But all. he's a guy. I mean, he's a guy who like if it weren't for, if it weren't for uh, the first couple teams needing quarterbacks, he could have been a number one pick. Right. Exactly. Definitely. And you get a guy like that at ten. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you may be best sitting and taking him. We're going to get a great calculated risk. That number, that 10th pick, if we sit, is going to give us a franchise running back, D tackle, D end, somebody there, cornerback. Yeah. You're going to get, because they say once you get. Keep below, hearing that guy, uh, Witherspoon's name a lot. Witherspoon. There. Yeah. He might be there at 10. That yep. could be a good someone to replace Bradbury with, potentially. Uh, even you got, uh, what's it called? Nasir Adderley from the Chargers. He's a free agent. And he's a local kid, went to Delaware University. He was a first-round draft pick. I liked it, but now they're stacked. You know, they got um, Asante Samuels' kid out there who's playing his ass off, and you got Darwin James healthy back there. Like, they don't need him anymore. But he's a guy that you get, again, with our salary cap issues, a guy for cheap for like a year or two deal. With that guy that we got from Seattle, the head coach, I forget the coach's name now. Oh, Desai. Desai. Yeah. If he's like a secondary kind of guy, which Seattle's defenses have predominantly produced – studs in the secondary yeah so that could be a fun kind of mix right there yeah yeah i guess uh remains to be seen how they want to handle that draft pick um i want to go back to something you said pat about a running back you really think they'll take a running back at 10 i would love i think that if the talent sits in your lap there maybe not at 10 but i i i can see them having a way of getting a running back in the first round if there's one at 10 or at 30 Whatever they're at, I don't 31, think B. John Robinson's going to be there at 30, but if he was, I would absolutely. But if he's there at 10, I don't, I don't know, think man. I would take him at 10. Taking a running back that early seems doesn't seem like great use of a high value pick like that. He'll be good for maybe two or three years, you think? I don't know. I don't. I mean, it's a it's a thing. You got to keep it interesting. I I I mean, Howie was the highest he's ever picked at running back was. McCoy in the second round. Yeah, I was going to say might have been Miles Sanders, but I think you're right. It was probably shady. You know, yeah. I mean, I, but the thing is you have that window of you could trade then the 30th pick with a second rounder to move up to like 15 and get a stud corner or D-tackle or vice versa. So I think that the first round could be a lot interesting. I mean, look at last year. We yeah, traded away true. that first round pick to get A.J. Brown. So honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, you know, Something crazy like that this year again to fill a gap or to pick a running back. Who knows? Yeah. Do you think there's any chance they trade back to get like an extra? It'd be the 30th if, pick if, they would trade back. I would trade that one out. I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, I haven't really thought of it. I could see them trading back, but. Like Pat's saying, I wouldn't trade the the 10th pick back. I would trade the 30th if I was going to do it at all. Unless it's with a team that like already picked I mean, up a yeah. quarterback or you know, 
10 is a great spot to be playing in the Super Bowl and have a top 10 right. draft pick. I feel like you have to be able to utilize that. If you want to trade back, you better be getting some good value, like only the 12 and a second round, you know? Yeah. I mean, you say like if you're in one of those situations where like there's a team picking like two spots after you that like really, really wants a guy, mm-hmm. then maybe you do that. But plus you got the Bears, I think, ahead of us. I mean, they locked up their quarterback. They got DJ Moore now. I could see them picking a running back. Yeah, I guess David Montgomery's a free agent. They had a what do you, what do you call it? Khalil, Khalil Herbert. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was, guy was good, was but he's more of like a change of pace back mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Damn, that'd be interesting. Like Justin Fields and Bijan Robinson, that'd be a scary offense. <laughs> if I'm, I mean, if if I'm them, that's what I'm I'm thinking about doing. But yeah, did you did you guys see um, Austin Eckler's like asking for a trade more or less? Mm-hmm. If I don't only. think I don't I mean I don't I don't think that that's likely but like oh my god. I would love to have Austin Eckler but again you're stuck Be with unstoppable. You're stuck with the money issue. Yeah. If he wants to come win and pull some Tom Brady type shit, cool, come on by, but we can't compete with that and I don't want to give he's too old to get a first round pick for him. Like I don't want to oh, give yeah, the 30th. How old is back. he? For a running back I think he's what 26. 27. Yeah. There's some mileage on those legs and too. Like, he's, you know, he's been hurt a bunch over the years. The, yeah. Playing You're in a right. tough division, playing against KC's defense twice a year, like you he'll know, turn them, 28 in May, so yeah, he'll be 28. See, them legs are. Yeah, he might be good for another year. Or he'd two. be great behind our O line, no doubt about it. But yeah, not as good. I mean, just back to what I was talking about earlier, just like the pass catching element of it is just like oh, well, something yeah. that I think been missing from. It's like really good pass catching back. I think is like the one missing piece from that offense. Well, I think Siri had that too. were like unstoppable. He's mentioned that I think he he prefers to have a a one show pony like a one hor like a one running back that's it not the run by committee he's he's more into a solo guy than having to have three guys on your roster just to be one position yeah. for running back I mean because it does I mean it does seem like that's also I mean that's like not uh, the the way the whole league is trending like the the you know three down bell cow running back is kind of becoming a thing of the past for sure mm-hmm. like there's i mean it's like derrick henry and like who else is even like that saquon barkley maybe yeah. i can't think of I anyone mean, else yeah really you could no... maybe say mccaffrey when healthy which is a big win but like... with the eagles run scheme though i mean you got if they don't fuck with the rules at all you got hurts for, for you know one yard situations you got Gainwell for like that little bubble screen guy you could have technically like an rb1 that's predominantly you know first through third down you know with a little flex but you don't need hey like you know bought you had boston scott Gainwell, sanders like you know we don't need three if you could get the talent to fill that seat because sanders is going to be a big hole if he does leave yeah yeah, it's hard to like to gauge like how I mean Sanders had a great year, obviously, but it's like how much of that was uh you know, his true talent and how much was just that like he's playing on the Eagles offense. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's he's got the best running quarterback, the best run blocking offensive line, like arguably the best is it quarterback. The chicken or the egg there, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what I'm saying, like my to my point, like Right, the wide ways that pick. Like us behind that offensive line. Dude, I'd run for 500 yards. Probably break a couple legs in the process, but uh, <laughs> it'd be a fun 500. But, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, as great as Sanders is, I do think that losing him isn't the end of the world. Like, Mm-mm. kind of what we opened the, the segment talking about is just like, dude, 
like the offense will be fine. It's the defense that we really need to commit our, our resources, whether they be draft picks or cap space to, to filling those holes. I mean, like you said, Pat, we didn't even think we we're going to lose Marcus Epps. We might be down two safeties, <laughs> a corner, a couple linebackers. Like it, it's and mind you, starting right starters. These aren't just like you know roster guys. This is this is your defense. They're just picking apart. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what we're gonna do with the limited cap space, limited resources. I understand like the Eagles can. Uh, they can move some money around to create some cap space, but you're looking at having to fill eight out of 11 starting slots. Uh, and how we trust? I mean, the guys pulled yeah, shit out of his ass before. That's pretty right? much kind of where you got to be. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's got to trust and get it done. You know, the, the salary cap isn't real. Uh, <laughs> you can always manipulate things. Um, yeah, I don't know. It would be a really interesting draft, though, with all these, um, you know, all these holes. Yeah, I think if, like, granted, I'm, like, looking into the future, but if there is one positive to, to the uh, Eagles losing so many of their guys is they'll get some compensatory picks for next year. So, like, you can start to look ahead to next year and figure it's not imperative that you fill all these holes with draft picks. You can get some guys for vet minimums, like, Guys, after yeah, the first or second wave of free agency to fill in and then kind of just kick the can down the road to next year when you have these third, fourth, and fifth round picks due to your free agents leaving. But uh, I'm playing the long game here. We should obviously be focused on free agency right now. Yeah. That's it. So, uh, we want to move on to the Sixers? Yeah, yeah. We can, we can talk about the Sixers and, uh, MB in his MVP case. Um, I don't know. I don't really know where to start with this. Uh, There's been a lot of discourse well, you lately. Player yeah. of the month. Player, yeah. Well, we got, I think again. Got like, yeah, Eastern uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week or whatever. Player of the Week. I mean, but even yeah. comparing to like still a bit of the month ago. <laughs> the Western Conference of Player of the Week. Sabonis only averaged 15 points a game. It beats averaging 35, 36 in this. You know, just even the last week alone. Five-game win streak. If he doesn't yeah. get it this year, I I don't know. I, I don't know what else, like, what he has to do. This is arguably one of his healthier years. We talked about that last time we were on the show. We're like, the Sixers run through Embiid and his health. And right now, he's at his peak. We've seen this year after year where he gets to this stage in the season, averaging 35-plus points a game, usually holds on to the scoring thing as well, you know, leading the league in scoring for a center. I don't know what else he has to do. Dude, he's going to be the first center to lead the league in scoring in consecutive years since, what, like Bob McAdoo in the, the 1970s? Like, he's putting up, like, these prolific statistics. And the thing that I think kind of gets overlooked is that uh, he plays defense. You know what I mean? Like, no disrespect to Yoke or disrespect to Jokic, but mm -hmm. Jokic no, kind of looks like a beach whale flopping around on defense and, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel pretty passionately about this, but, like, advanced statistics, they just kind of paint Jokic as this defensive darling. But, like, but I hate to be that guy, but watch the games. Right. Like, what, watch what the fucking games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, 
uh, I mean, a lot of people have made this point, but you, with the like all the advanced stats, like they're all, you know, I'm I'm all for using whatever numbers are available and all that kind of stuff. But if it's like if the numbers are, are telling you that like Jokic is like far and away the best in like all these categories, like you gotta like there's gotta be something going on there. You gotta sort of reevaluate, tweak things. I mean, it just like right numbers can be wrong if they're if if they're like that much. Uh, disparity between what you're seeing and what the numbers are telling you there's got to be something you know what numbers don't lie the four for four from three from a seven foot one center you know he shot a damn near perfect game when he had 38 the other day yeah yeah from the three from free throws you know pat he's lighting up the the former defensive player of the year and really good here he they had to take Gobert off of him because he was cooking him so bad. Right. We're talking fadeaways, jump shot. Like, he's not just doing that, normal uh, center shit. Yeah. He's doing things like a point guard does. That's the, seven foot tall. Yeah, the game winner against Portland was insane. Uh, Dude, he's like literally just a seven foot Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, man. Like, some of like just these turnaround jumpers, like his footwork. Like, it's unbelievable that anyone can do that, let alone a seven foot two, 280 pound center that plays like as much defense as he does for him to be able to do these things. It's just, it's unprecedented. And like, obviously we need to appreciate it for what it is, but yeah, Pat, to your point, like it's absurd that he hasn't won an MVP and he really should win it this year. Giannis has a great shot, no doubt about it, but something about watching it beat shoot the ball. is just beautiful. Yeah. Giannis kind of junks up the court offensively. Like he can't really shoot. He gets bowed. He's not the best free throw shooter. Um, as far as his defensive impact, yeah, Giannis is very impactful defensively. But if you were to give me a choice between Giannis and Embiid, as far as who I want offensively, like it's not even close, man. Like it's Embiid by a mile. Like that's not to discredit Giannis. It's just Embiid so much more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean it's like you know you have like three. Three three years in a row. I mean, this is like again. This is like everyone's been saying this, but it's like you got like. But it's basically a coin toss, like toss up three years in a row, and the same guy wins each all three times. It's like it just doesn't like make any sense. I think like you know if if you're gonna win if you're gonna win three MVPs in a row, I don't think it's enough to just be like, you know, well, you know, for the third year in a row we crunch the numbers and uh, we think Jokic just edges them out by a little bit and that's why we're going to vote for him. But it's like, no, if it's three years in a row, I feel like it has to be, like, obvious that Jokic is, like, clear in a way the better player. And that's just not the case. And he's not carrying his team to a championship every year. Like, it's not like Shaq when he's winning MVPs and also winning finals MVPs. Like, Jokic in the playoffs, when's the last time they were in the finals? He made it to the Western Conference Finals in the bubble, which like you can put a but not a championship, next to that. but not the title game. True. Like what? Okay, cool. You're the MVP of the regular season, which I get. That's what it is. But like, if you get it two years in a row, three years in a row, if he gets it this year, and you can't take your team to the next level, then that's kind of that's a depressing stat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to your point, like he gets played off the court in the playoffs every year just because. He cannot play defense to save his life. No. Like, people will make a big deal about the fact that he's averaging a triple-double. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Triple-doubles are cool. But, like, these days, man, they're also super overvalued. Like, 
you have guys like like Giannis. Did you guys see where Giannis like intentionally missed that mm-hmm. shot at the end? Got the little yeah. rebound. Had his stats. Yeah. They took it away from him too. They, deservedly so, they yeah. took it away from him. But like, you have guys padding stats left and right to where like triple doubles aren't really the the significant stat that they were. I mean, five years ago when Westbrook won MVP, and certainly ten or fifteen years ago, like a guy can average like a triple double, but if he doesn't play defense, who the hell cares? Mm-hmm. I'd rather have him beats 30-plus point games and 10-plus blocks. I don't care if he gives an assist or not or whatever else, rebounds, but, you know, give me a nice double-double the way he's been doing it, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I think, like, the the other thing that doesn't get really accounted for at all is Embiid's defensive impact outside of blocks and steals, just the mm-hmm. amount of shots at the rim he alters just his presence defensively and how Disruption. much that makes a difference for their overall defensive scheme. And like, I don't know. Like people can make the case that Jokic does the same thing, but dude, I watched two minutes of video of that guy playing defense and he looks lost. Just like I said, like a beach whale flopping around. It's just not exciting to watch. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's not. A, I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say like Jokic isn't like an amazing player. Like he oh, clearly for sure. is. That's where he's bond. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you, you'd have to. I mean, again, just coming back to the three MVPs in a row. Like this guy would have to be like otherworldly, like one of the great, like without a doubt, one of like the top ten, top five players of all time. And there's just like no. I'm sorry, that just there's no fucking way. No, the fact that not there's always close. a debate every year that he becomes an MVP should cement the case that he's not like ungodly at basketball like he's good he's great but three years in a row come on no no Mm -mm. yeah i mean some of the best ever many of the best ever pretty much all of them never won three mvps in a row i don't think anyone's yeah i mean larry bird did it but uh, but mj didn't lebron didn't and Jokic, i'm not putting up there with larry bird no No. right (laughs) like (laughs) yeah there is one thing they have in common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't yeah. even get me started on that. The elephant man. in the room is definitely yeah. that. But, like, all right, you got me started on it a little bit. I don't want to delve too deep into this topic. Yeah, go, but go, go, go full, just go full Kendrick Perkins. Right <laughs> yeah. but, dude, perk it up. I right did now. see what Perk was saying to a degree. Like, to JJ Reddick's point, like, for those of you don't, that haven't seen it, they got into this argument on first take where Perkins essentially said that. Since 1990, there hasn't been a three-time MVP. And the last one that did was Larry Bird. And obviously, Larry Bird and Jokic are both white. What I really think, like, I don't know. I might get canceled for this. Might have our first cancellation or second episode. (laughs) Is that... Get him out of the way early. (laughs) Bro, if Jokic wasn't this doughy, just goofy-looking white dude from Serbia, like, people wouldn't make that big of a deal that he's so good offensively at, at the sport of basketball. I think that that really goes into the narrative of him being MVP is that he's this honest, unassuming white guy. That's really good offensively. Yeah. And dude, I, and another thing that I think totally factors into it is like, I don't know if this is like as much true with like the actual people that are voting for him, but I think it's definitely true of all his like, like psychotic stands on like the internet and stuff. Is it like they see themselves in him? Mm-hmm. They're yep. like, they're like, I'm this like dopey guy uh, with league pass, um, <laughs> you know, just like you know, shoveling food in my mouth in front of my couch, watching like basketball all day. And I'm like, that could be me. Like I, that's me <laughs> like on the court, right. like making like those 15 assists a night or whatever the fuck. 
Yeah, looking. on the sofa looking like once upon a time in Hollywood, Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, no. exactly. No. It's like, like they're, yeah, looking like someone's dad playing basketball at the Y. That's essentially what he is. And yeah, to your point, like a lot of these guys in their like late thirties to early forties, that's what they see in themselves. Yeah. Whereas you know, cool could've people could have been a contender. Cool people see themselves in Embiid. You know? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> Right, no one's walking down the street rocking a Jokic jersey like, oh man, feeling like real cool. No, you know, you watch it like like we said before, Avery. It's just not exciting. He might be great. He might get you those thirty points and have a triple double, but the way he does it isn't exciting. And Bede is out here dropping threes, you know, fallbacks. It's just a beautiful game as opposed to Jokic just being what he is, like just boring white bread basketball. It's not fun in a weird market as well. True. Very He's not true. playing on the East Coast. Yeah, a man's playing where you could find a seven-foot Serbian guy crushing it in his market. Like, yeah, it's it's the whole thing. Like, I don't want really want to bring too much of like the the biases and like the racial part of it into things, but like it's it's hard to deny. I mean, the first time I watched Jokic like win MVP, I had a feeling that that was really sort of what was at the fulcrum was. Here's this goofy-looking white dude who's actually really good at basketball. And, like, a lot of people just identified with him and, as a result, voted for him. That's Kendrick Perkins' point is a lot of the people that vote on MVP are white people. They're going to vote for someone that they identify with. I'm not saying that that's right. I don't think it is. But I think that's really what – that's kind of a driver as far as Jokic's candidacy every year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean the uh, the. I mean, I really will say the odds have kind of closed up a little bit. I don't think it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility that Embiid pulls it out, especially like because I think like some of the stuff that we've been talking about has become more and more like mainstream. I think like there has been starting to get a little bit of backlash against like these like advanced stats that don't really make a whole lot of sense and you know everything else that also gets boring you don't see the same guy with the same yeah, yeah voter fatigue should right. be like very he's much not, a thing and like you said trevor like he's not <laughs> yeah will he go down as a generational talent maybe one day but watching it you don't it doesn't feel that way so to win it three years in a row i better be seeing you do some crazy shit you know, and he's not doing that. He's just playing good basketball, wins games for his teams, and I respect that. That's cool. But he's not hitting buzzer beaters. He's not doing that last second block. Like, he's doing yeah. just, you know, good basketball. Sp- speaking of not hitting buzzer beaters, did y'all oh, see? Yeah. Y'all saw, like, after Embiid hit the, the turnaround to win the game on Friday, mm-hmm. the next night Jokic tried to do it, or maybe it was Sunday, I forget. Um, but whatever day Jokic tried to do it, he failed miserably. And like to my point. Yeah, yeah, to your <laughs> point exactly. Like Embiid's been far more clutch this year. There are a bunch yeah, of statistics. Yeah, I think he missed like two shots at a game winner in that game. Something. And like he missed that. a free throw or something yeah. to tie it. And like he was a turnstile on defense again. Yeah, as much as like I mean, I don't like to put like too much stock into the whole like clutch thing. But I think if it's you know if you're talking about just like a. Uh, you know, just like something like the MVP award, which is not like 
that's the, I mean, that's the other thing too. Like there is, there's it, like, there's no like objective criteria for who wins it's the not MVP. Called the most consistent player. It's, it's yeah, called the most valuable. So like, there is like, I think uh, like, an, I don't think it's unreasonable for there to be like a narrative element into it because it's not just like, you know, if, if it was just like you put a bunch of numbers in and it spits out the MVP, then there wouldn't be votes. It wouldn't matter. There would just mm-hmm. be a computer would just tell you who it is every year. So the fact that he and B does make those like clutch shots pretty consistently and is like, you know, a guy that you can count on to like, uh, you know, put the team on his shoulders in the fourth quarter, come back, make those kinds of shots. Like, I think that those, does matter. Those storybook moments count too in MVP voting. You want yeah. that like last second shot. You want that crazy ass block for a crucial turning point in the game. You want those magical moments that people are gravitated towards sports for. And, you know, Jokic might get that here and there, but I feel like over the years, Embiid's had way more of those moments that make it an all-around better MVP experience in my book. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't really see what Jokic's moment is this year. And, like, I mean, last year, thinking of narratives, like Embiid had a far more compelling narrative. But the goalposts, they seem to have moved every year for this award, and I just hope that they don't move again this year. Yeah, that last game we have against the Nuggets is going to be pretty huge. That could be like, uh, I don't know. I don't know when that game is exactly. But uh, it's like a random weeknight, and it's not even a nationally televised game. Yeah, I think it I might be not, on NBA TV. Yeah, yeah. But I feel, I mean, if, uh, you know, I mean, the last time we played him and Bede outplayed him pretty decisively, I would say. That was, that was the time when uh, I think it was like ESPN had like their highlight reel said like, Embiid and Embiid and Jokic combined for like seventy points or whatever, and it was like it's like yeah, because yeah. Embiid had forty seven of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like you know, hopefully maybe maybe next time, uh, you know, the the propaganda, the ESPN propaganda machine won't be quite in full swing, and Embiid can outplay him again. Yeah, if there's an advantage to it not being on national TV, that's it. Yeah. Uh, big Flyers news this week. They finally achieved the inevitable and have fired Chuck Fletcher. He's gone. He's never coming back. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, still feel like the team's a little bit in purgatory right now. But I mean, it's good that they, it's good that they got rid of Chuck Fletcher. Um, yeah. It sounds like there's not going to be much else done until the end of the year. Danny Briere is the interim GM. Love to see him, you know, get some more face time in the club. But I also find that I, I did hear that uh, Hart was potentially, they were at least entertaining phone calls. And I feel like that's a good move. I feel like if you truly yeah. want to rebuild, you know, Hart, by the time you get talent around Hart, he won't be in his prime anymore. So don't waste his career here not that he's you know when he came in we were like oh my god this guy's amazing the guy's good you know he definitely lost that shine i think a little bit but if you can get some value get some picks get some you know whatever you can do get those picks baby yeah uh i mean i know like uh, people have been talking about possibly like the canadians might be in play for him or um yeah maybe some other team like i mean if there's any teams that are kind of near the top of the draft that are interested i would definitely entertain that uh it is like supposed to be a very deep draft this year so if you can get two guys in the top 10 or even i mean they'll their own picks probably going to be 
like ground five or six the way it's going if you get another one that's something in the top 10 or top 12 something like that i think that's definitely worth it could could they conceivably trade up if that is the case uh, I guess I don't know. it would depend on how desperate Chicago or someone is for for more picks instead of Bedard. But I also don't know how good like hockey draft like what's the what's the real talent differential from like the number one pick to a ten or twelve. Yeah. Well, I mean, this year it's like the, the this year the number one pick is like you know probably the best prospect since Connor McDavid. Yeah. So it's like one and then, but uh, I don't really know a lot about. The, yeah, I like about all these players individually, but apparently the uh, it's supposed to be a really deep and strong draft. So, like, you're probably uh, gonna get like a pretty good impact player through ten, maybe even through like twelve or thirteen. Um, yeah. So I mean, if there was a a draft where you're gonna like trade a big piece to get an extra pick, this would be the one to do it in. Well, I'm going to say ship everybody, every able-bodied man out this club. Yeah. You're not doing them justice here, and nobody wants to be a part of a rebuild. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like you have to just look at who, uh, you know, which players are potentially going to be around the next time the Flyers are good, and if they're not, then ship them out. So that probably means, you know, players like Konechny should be on the trade block for sure. Mm-hmm. Hate yeah. to see it go, but that's what it takes for a full rebuild. Like they're not on the bubble of being a good team. They they're bad. They need to like. You, there's no sense holding on to these guys that you just love for being in Philly. We did that with Giroux, and we tried to be a playoff team with him, and it just never really quite, you know, got there after the past couple of years. And we sent him away. That's okay. It's all right. You know, you wish him well, but. See, man, like, I hear that. Like, the thing with Briere is, like, he had his introductory press conference. He said he doesn't want to have a fire sale, but I feel like they're kind of yeah. headed towards the point that they're going to have to sell off most of these guys. Like, Konechny, I think, is gone. Provorov's gone. JVR is a free agent after this year, right? He's gone anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Hart, if you can get something of really good value for him, he's gone, like, that's I don't know. Build. Like as much as you don't want to have a fire sale, like as much as like I'm sure Dave Scott and Comcast Spectacor do not want them to do that. Like if you're really gonna go all in on a rebuild, like you kinda have to do that. Look at the Sixers in twenty whatever, thirteen before they drafted Embiid. Like And it's not the, like football, it's only what? What they got? Six guys on the ice, five guys on the ice. Yeah. So but like, you know, you don't. It doesn't need to be a whole major thing, but you sell the guys that you can yeah, sell. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing value. is, like, a lot of their, I mean, a lot of the pieces they do have are, you know, young enough where they could potentially have value, you know, during whatever if our next, like, window is. Yeah, None but I mean, like, you're not, like, I mean, you're not, like, going to get, you're not going to get much for if you're trying to trade, like, you know, Joel Farabee or Owen Tippett or, like, I think those guys, guys like that, I think potentially could be part of the next decent team and you're not going to get any much of anything for them on the trade market so well, yeah some guys are going to have to think, stay like, on you know, the ship That's... basically basically anyone who's like on the team right now who's like 26 or older probably the easiest way to put it like should be shipped out yo, yo what do you make of Couturier like 
uh, <laughs> assuming he comes back, like yeah, as I don't know, man, a fraction of the they player said, he they used said to be. He might, they said they might. Uh, I mean, he's been back skating for a while now, and like I saw something that said they might actually try to get him back in the games this year, which why? sounds insane. <laughs> I don't know why, why he would do that. I have no idea. Oh. Like, I don't know if that's supposed to <laughs> that's supposed to be some kind of like morale boost for the team or like what the idea is there, but. If I'm him, I'm saying hell no. Sense. Why yeah. would you do that? I guess if I'm him, I miss skating. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he whatnot, just wants the like an opportunity to play. I mean, I'm sure it's. I mean, the guy's been out for since you know what, like midway through last season or whatever. It's been a minute. He's yeah, been it's on the been ice. quite a while. It's pretty crazy. Like certainly Chuck Fletcher, like they didn't need to keep this guy around, man. But like, it's pretty crazy how much bad injury luck hit all at once between. Ellis, Atkinson, Couturier, like a lot of GMs aren't going to be able to bounce back from that. But, I mean, Chuck Fletcher also did himself no favors with this trade deadline. Like, at first I was kind of skeptical as to, like, why they kept him around for the trade deadline, but apparently that was a straw that broke the camel's back. It's just how much he botched that. And I think we talked about it last episode where he was saying something to the effect of, yeah, no one wants any of our players. It's like, yeah, because you don't have good players. Yeah, and you're right. the GM that brought these guys in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. <laughs> it's <laughs> like that thing. But, Everyone's uh, sitting there like, what the fuck? You hearing this? Like, yeah. Man, what? It was also the other thing, too. It's like, uh, that they, well, they had that, like, hilarious, um, uh, season ticket holders press conference thing where they just like just viciously booed Chuck Fletcher and mm-hmm. stuff and like that and then like in press conferences and stuff they just kept claiming that like well you know we tried to we tried to to trade these guys we made all these calls and just couldn't get it done and it's like well that's kind of the problem man like that's, that's your job that's your job yeah. right. like if you're if this is you trying your best then your best ain't good enough man like you gotta go it's like my boss asking me at work, like, so, Pat, like, did you get those reports done? You know what? I don't know who, what happened, but somebody didn't get it done. And they're like, but it's your job to get it <laughs> done. Like, they just showed up to it and said, hey, I gave people calls that no one really wanted our players. Like, it's your job to convince people, man. What? Come yeah. on. Just does not have, does not have the uh, negotiating skills. And I think, and I think part of that, too, is just a consequence of, uh, you know, I don't think when they when they first hired Chuck Fletcher, I think the the, the idea was that he was going to be because because he's like historically has been more of like a, uh, you know, win now try to like take a team that's close to contention and like you know I mean because I mean the big thing he did with the Wild was like sign like Zach Parisi and uh, Ryan Suter or whatever which t- ended up not being so great for them but at right. the time it's like this is a guy who's going to try to like really push the team towards contention or whatever. And then that all just fell apart, and now all of a sudden he's a guy that has to like be like, should be rebuilding, and he can't, and he just is not wired for it, doesn't know how to do it. Yeah, I mean it is like you said, it's kind of similar to what the the Flowers brought him in for. They got tired of Hextall and just the constant like stockpiling young players, stockpiling draft picks, and went all in on Fletcher, thinking he was the guy to take them over the top, and clearly wasn't. Like can't negotiate his way out of a wet paper bag, and. <laughs> um, kind of has the personality of a snail so like for him to i guess thinking of like him and tortorella just bad combo in in a room together like that's just a bad combo in and of itself and like these comcast spectacore guys like even they got tired of just his passiveness 
mean, for, um, and I don't really think they really care about the team that much either. Oh, hell no. So they like, definitely don't. When they finally are like, all right, we're done with this guy, it's like, okay, thank God. But we're also so lucky in Philly with the, our other teams, GMs, and ownership that like it's just tough to watch. Like We know what it takes when we see a team that has a good coach, a good GM, good owner, everyone's all on the same page. Eagles are great at rebuilding of late. Sixers, Phillies, you know, they're doing what they do. The Flyers, it's like poking a rock. You're like, do anything. Do something, please. Like, Yeah. I'm not, like, totally sold on the whole, like, we got to sell the team thing. But um, I don't know. I think it's just a matter of, like, wh- whoever. The, the thing that's weird is, like, I don't, it's hard to even, like, figure out exactly what the structure is there. Like, right. is Dave Scott, like, pretty much just in charge of everyone in hockey operations? Like, is he the guy? Like, I don't know. Like. Dude, he's it, also apparently like seventy something years old. He's probably gonna retire soon. Yeah, because I mean, because I mean, really, when he's they just need to like get rid of everyone in hockey ops. Because it's like, I mean, as much as like the whole like, I I, just, I get people that hate Comcast, obviously, but like as far as like the business end and the comms and the market, I mean, I don't think that that's really the problem with the team. Problem is that they have all these dinosaurs like advising the GM and pulling the strings, like you know. Uh, Bobby Clark and yeah, Holmgren. Holmgren, Bill Barber. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there really needs to be like a uh, you know, I need them to go full uh, you know, like Robespierre on the hockey ops. It's full <laughs> full reign of terror. Just get rid of everybody. Did you see? And I saw something today where there there's like guys, uh, uh, I guess who work for the Flyers that have been like, uh sending like sending texts to like people basically like after they make a move or something just being like yeah that wasn't me i wouldn't have anything to do it like there's already this <laughs> there's already yeah there's already this like tr- people trying to like distance themselves from Good like God. their bad decisions because they must know like they're all gone i mean i hope that that's what's going to happen i don't know dude yeah i Not think a fun um, place to be at you don't want to hear that from your team not from management yeah. if you're a player on that team I you're like not, god yeah, that's pretty damn. discouraging <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, it does like from. It does kind of seem like in like hockey ops, there are maybe these like two competing camps, like the like old school people who were like, right, you know, the ones responsible for like extending Ristolainen and shit like that, oh, and then geez. you know, man, this ain't Moneyball. Like, come on, let's <laughs> level set here. You know what it takes. You bring a good talent, utilize the draft. Yeah, it's I all think like old ball shit. You know, the. I think the Flyers problem, like, I feel like, Pat, you said this last last episode, was that, like, they're just so tethered to, like, this Broad Street Bully style of hockey. And, like, all these old farts, like, Holmgren, yeah, Barber. I'm like, dude, like, hockey is not played like that anymore. It's not 1977. Like, hockey's all about skill, high scoring, speed. like, action, speed. And, like, the Flyers have just have failed to get anyone along those lines. Even, like, guys like your Couturiers and your Giroux's, like, I loved them, still love them, but, like, they don't really epitomize today's game. And, like, the Flyers, it's it's very like the Phillies, I think, in that regard, where the Phillies took a decade to really catch mm-hmm. up to, to the current style of baseball. That's kind of where the Flyers are. And if you want to play old-school hockey, then play old-school hockey, but don't have that mindset and then not build a team around that. Yeah, nothing never really land. It's like they never have an identity. I, I don't. I never know what they want to do at the end at the beginning of every just, year. They come in, they're like, "We're gonna play good hockey." Like, what does that even mean? Their their identity is they want to be tough to tough play. Tough to against. play against. That's what they always it's like, say. Like whatever the hell that means. Yeah, 
tough to play against. That place is always dead empty anyway. Yeah. So we could play yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, go like go, yeah, the Wells Fargo Center on the Flyers plate looks like a fucking tomb. Right. It's like that's, that is not a place that's hard to play You got some orange crackhead running around like, <laughs> all right, yeah. that's your best defensive player. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, interesting to see because, um, I mean, they do – I mean, I don't. I guess let this wait and see if Briere actually sticks or not. I think he probably will. It, it feels like he's going to. Like I think it's um. Well, it's interesting because I think before, when they first brought him in, and and like, and it was pretty obvious that they were grooming him to be like the next GM. It was the Elton Brand shit. Yeah, where Elton Brand was the Sixers G League coach. Yep. Or yeah. GM. GM. I'm sorry. And like, you know. A year or two ago, I would have said like hundred. He's like a hundred percent going to be the next GM, and the only reason why it's not now is just because I think that like the, the I think the plan was that Chuck Fletcher would would uh, you know put in his time and then like you know mutually agree to like some other role with the team, like how they do, like you know they just like make up some fake titles for like their whole <laughs> special guys. advisor, yeah, special <laughs> advisor to the equipment manager or like whatever the fuck. <laughs> And then, you know, Briere would just take over. But now that, like, Chuck has left on not-so-great terms, I think it puts more pressure on them to, like, look outside the organization and actually do, like, a real uh, search for a GM. But that said, I still think they're going to come back to Briere. It's just, like, maybe there's, like, a 20%, 30% chance that it's they go outside the org. But I would, I would definitely be putting my money on it being Briere going forward. Which, like, I'm okay with if you have the right people in there with him and not these cretins, yeah. like, like and advising him, you know what I mean? Um, they also kept Brent Flair, who was Chuck Fletcher's assistant GM for many years. Like, apparently he's still on the staff. I'm like, yeah. I don't really want him there if... I mean, I have to imagine a lot of these guys, like, they just didn't want... They're, I mean, it just kind of doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of a reason to make all these replacements midseason and have, like you know 10 different interim this yeah. or that i mean i think he had to get rid of fletcher just to like you know appease the hordes or whatever but like and and i guess to like sort of get briere prepared to like be the guy who's going to handle the draft and all that kind of stuff then as a team you're not going to win deals as a gm if people just look at you as an interim gm or you got all this advisory board or like you got to be able to make decisions on your own like how you know grab the phone i'm call, calling you i know i'm just dealing with avery or trevor like from the other team if i gotta go like hang up the phone be like all right i'll get back to you i gotta go talk to my eight yeah, other I gotta go talk to like come on now like, i gotta go talk to my dad Bobby right <laughs> you get no respect but. then you, and you lose the deal so i wish him the best. i hope he does come back and you know and so i can see him doing a great job yeah he's youth he's younger so that's good he's played in philly like he's got that it fits. It has understands the modern game yeah, a little more, which is which is big right now. The resumes yeah. for it, and, and he was uh, in the press conference. He was as uh, as Sam Cartier reported, willing to use the R word. <laughs> so <laughs> we know that <laughs> we know that uh, you know Briere means he's he's serious about this team, and he's uh, done with this PC culture. <laughs> <laughs> that was what's really was really holding the fires back. But they give him a year. They're, they're gonna they're gonna sign Provorov <laughs> to a new extension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instantly signed on the spot. Yeah, it's a new face of the franchise. But yeah, I agree with you guys. Like, give him a year, a full year, with no other expectations. Let him go, try it out, see if he's a good at GM. We're going to be rebuilding anyway. No sense of doing the things that you've been doing the last 10, 15 years because it clearly hasn't worked. But at least they have that new, you know, $50 million bar suite in Wells Fargo. So, 
Do they have a what now? They got that whole suite in there now. Like oh, a whole upstairs? New mm-hmm. Oh, that is pretty cool, actually. So we got that going for us. Yeah, I feel like they've been doing like some kind of renovation of that every year, it seems like. I do like the uh, the standing room section up at the oh, top. Oh, it's banging there? up there. Yeah. yeah. It's better than sitting in like the the, the nosebleeds. Definitely. Yeah. Because you got your own, got like its own bar up there. You have like their own bathrooms. Yeah, your own food. Yeah. It's awesome. And like, and if you get a good spot like center ice or center court, like you can see everything really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only, I guess the only downside is can, that can be like a pain in the ass to get a good spot up there sometimes. If like, you gotta get yeah, early. Everyone, yeah. But that's also annoying because you're just standing around like watching warm ups for. Too, too long. But yeah, got to get to it. I haven't been to a game at the Farg since Pat, since you and me went for a Sixers preseason game. Got to get to a game at the yeah, Farg. Before been this. Yeah, that was October, no? Yeah. Yeah. Preseason Sixers Damn. game, October. Yep. Yeah, because the Sixers games are getting expensive now. Oh, it's I wild, know. man. Real pricey. I'm like, go to a Flyers game. Yeah. Hey, that's <laughs> nothing to watch a really <laughs> shitty yeah, product on I mean, you'd, have to, you'd have to pay me to I mean, go to so the Flyers there, game. so quiet there. We could have the podcast in Wells Fargo yeah, doing yeah, we a game. Yeah, we could be doing it live. We could do a live. live. We could do a Road, yeah. dude. Yeah. We could be commentators. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, I've, I've been saying it to, to a few people. I might have said it on the last episode. But, like, dude, the Flyers have been so much more entertaining off the ice. Or not even entertaining. That's probably not even the right, the right word. There's been more to to care about with the Flyers off the ice than on the ice this year, and like, yeah, you couldn't pay me enough to go to a Flyers game. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, the only reason anyone in this, in, anyone in Philly is even talking about the Flyers is because of how like the dysfunction of the past few weeks, like with the trade deadline and all that. Um, yeah, now they're starting to get talked about a lot just around the league because it's you know a lot of people are going to be looking for jobs, and the Flyers are going to have a lot. Of, you know, it's, Seems like they're going to have a lot of jobs. Well, it'd be good to bring in some young, you know. I feel like a a team like the Flyers right now, if Briere is at the hem, helm at GM, and they're going to have a lot of open positions, you know, let's clear house and of all the old school shit. Bring in some new young buck that wants to try out something new, or you know, has a different idea. Any, I mean, at this point, fuck it. Like it doesn't. What we've been doing hasn't been working. Dude, You're going to just... have a new starting starting lineup pretty much probably twice in the next three years will be a whole different rotation every time dude they unless just... they nail some shit i don't know but you know it'd be fun this is when it's fun because then you know there's no expectations you know they're gonna be bad and it's exciting to watch yeah yeah i mean i feel like at least like uh you know I, they're obviously gonna be bad for a while but i like might actually bother to go to some games next year because at least like you get to see there's the young some, guys yeah assuming that like you know, Briere, whoever they put in, seems to have some kind of plan. It'll, there'll at least be like something that they're building towards or moving towards. Whereas, oh. like this year, it was just like, why would I, why the fuck would I pay attention to this team? They're not they're not going anywhere. They have no plan. It's just like total purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. Watching like the Phillies lose a hundred games, that sucked. But like as soon as they started to get a little better, like once they got Hoskins, Nola was on the come up. Like. Mm-hmm. They were fun to watch, even if they weren't great. Or, like, think back to, like, some of those Sixers teams. Like, I remember Embiid's rookie year when he finally played. That team wasn't really great, but they were fun to watch. Yeah. Like, you knew you were building towards something. You could see something. what yeah. was happening. You could see the mold finally becoming, you know. Yeah, I mean, some of the, the process years were definitely 
I mean, some, some of those games are hilarious. Sucked, but like, yeah, I mean, some of those games are just hilarious, but. But you knew what you were in for. Like, it took to do that to yeah. then be where we're at now, where like, the Sixers are stable. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'd say stable is the right word, but we can save. A perennial playoff team, We, we can save that for a future discussion when we talk about what they <laughs> do if James, James Harden walks. So yeah. that'll be that'll be ugly if that happens, but we're we're not there yet. And hopefully we don't get there. I think we'll be all right. Yeah. So did you guys set your uh, remember to set your clocks forward for? No, I guess this is the end of daylight savings my time. Is, my kitchen's right? all messed up. The oven's got a different time than the we already saved the daylight. The microwave. I walk in there. I'm like, I, no, this what is my. Day is it? So this is my thing. Like I don't, I don't like feel super strongly about it. But I would say my one, uh, you know, minor like act of defiance is like. I don't change the like when it becomes like when it gets an hour back. I don't change anything. Oh, not change blacks. You just keep it. I just keep it. The only, well, oh, man. that doesn't mess with you. That would drive me. No, nuts. the only thing. The only thing I change is so. Here's the thing. I change my watch because my watch is analog, and like that's Hell yeah. it's and it's like uh, it's like aesthetically satisfying to like you pull the pin out, you turn yep. the little knob, you watch the hand go around. Like that's kind of fun to do, but <laughs> yeah. the digital ones, fuck that. I don't I don't touch them because it's just it's just that like, would mess. With it's just me like so abrasive. Bad. You got you press all these buttons, and it's just like all like the, the flashing and all that shit. I don't like it. So I just <laughs> too much work. I that would yeah. mess with me can't so bad. It. So you have all these clocks saying different times. Well, they're all the same months. time. They're just all just an hour. Yeah, reliable phone. Well, your watch is a different time. Well, sure. Your phone's a different time. And all these other yeah, the phone, the phone's time. correct because that's automatic. But it's really just the clock at my like my alarm, my bedroom alarm clock. The one that wakes you, you up every day. You reset your alarm clock. I reset it, but it just I just set it to an hour later than I need to wake up. Fuck. Oh, Time out now. Time out. Time out. Time out. Here's the thing. Okay. So okay. Instead of, so instead of fixing the alarm clock, you just add an hour or subtract an hour to your alarm setting time yeah i just, add, I just put it, if i need to if i need to get up at 7 30 i set it for 8 30 what the hell no okay okay i don't know 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 about, I don't know that about right that's absurd i don't know about that you're smoking okay dope, okay dude. okay i don't know about you guys but i i'm pretty good at math so I can subtract one from any number every, like that. Every day though you like do that? I every can, morning? No, this is the thing. It, this is the <laughs> thing. It's too much to think about I can, first thing I in can the subtract, morning. I can subtract one from a number so fast that even those few months. Mr. Calculator those over few, here. No, those few months where I have to uh, you know, at, do that every time I look at the clock, it's, take, it's such like a nanosecond that it would take me uh, – you add all that up, it, that would still be less time than it would take me to actually change the time on the digital clock you know Man, what i'm saying i don't know I, can, I don't know i can i can subtract one from a number very easily i don't know i guess you guys need to whip out a fucking it's calculator they, it's we spring forward that fucks them up it's the adding the, it's the, adding the number you're probably so alone on this sentiment like i don't know well, who else is doing that i would take a poll right now if we had the ability to do that to see and yeah, I, once we start I doing live pods money, on youtube we'll have to take a poll for stuff like i would this. bet changing my lifestyle to do what you do and not change the clocks to say that they would be against that yeah. i can't do it i mean not to also to be fair though i still haven't changed anything in our kitchen so everything's a different time but i changed most of yeah, my i clocks. think my, i think the i think the clock on my oven is just like completely wrong i think the clock on our kitchen i don't is care just i broken. don't i don't need to i don't need the, my oven to 
tell me what time you're it is. You're never cooking and you don't wonder what time it is. I got, I have my phone. It's like, also it's like more a, pleasing. I usually got my your pocket. I usually something. got I got I usually got the phone out anyway because I'm using the timer on it for shit if I'm cooking. You don't use the timer on your oven. No, nah, I just use my phone. What? I see the timer. The mic- the you got a microwave? Use the microwave <laughs> it's timer? so much easier. Well, yeah, well, the microwave, obviously. No, 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 not when you use it. I'm saying, like, the timer like, on the microwave. No, nah, I've never <laughs> done that. I, I use, you know, sometimes I need to use two timers, right? Yeah. Like, I'll be melting butter or something to be like, I need this to melt for a good mm-hmm. minute. But then I need to time something in the oven. So I'll use the timer on the microwave for the butter. And then timer on the oven for what's in the oven. Yeah, I, I'll definitely use two Plus, timers. Plus, aesthetically pleasing, like to look at your phone and then look at every other appliance and have it all be the same time is like, all right, cool. This is good. This is nice. Yeah, Trevor clearly doesn't yeah, care about the aesthetics. Mm-mm. You're some kind of freak. <laughs> Dude, that um, don't, not I, that hold hard, on. So not that really, hard to subtract one from a number. So tomorrow you're going to wake up at 7.30 and your alarm clock's going to say 8.30 and that's the Well, no, because it, it went back now. It's, now they're all correct. Oh, okay. Yeah, so now, now we're back. Oh, because he doesn't go back and forth. Yeah, we're back so. on. So for the last, <laughs> we're back on real time now. For the last four months, five months, whatever, you were just adding an hour every morning. Yes. So you what never, the... you, you never fall back. You just rock in the spring forward. Technically, Trevor's currently yeah. sprung forward. I just uh... he's living in Arizona in South Philly down here. <laughs> yeah, I just make, I just, I, I just, I just make uh, little adjustments in my head when I gotta set my alarm clock. Yeah. I will say though, vote wise, I do hate daylight saving times. Like I wish we got rid of that oh. shit in a heartbeat. Yeah, for the record, like, but I do follow. I don't even I know do what do the rules. What, uh, I do do the thing. I honestly don't even. What, what was what was the point of it originally? It was something with like farmers or or something. Yeah, shit. something like, about farmers. Farmers like, or if train you Give me shit. a second. I'll see if I can look it up real quick. Also, I mean, every year farmers almanac's like, man, we're about to get a shit ton of snow, but we never get any snow anymore. So yeah. the oh, fact we that we're still snow all year, that we're still following Maybe this those shit. Farmers don't know what the fuck they're talking no. about. Who, why do they get to decide what time it is? So I'm saying the people with the least amount of technology telling us what to do. <laughs> yeah. <on> some shit. <laughs> yeah. This guy drives around on a fucking tractor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's tell, trying to tell us what the time should be. They're like, my cows lay down when it rains. It must be we're getting snow this winter. What? What? We don't have any more technology beyond this? Come on now. I'm trying to find like a concise like description or explanation for why we have daylight savings. And I can't. But like, I guess it started in World War One. The agency started the first instance in 1918. The agency started the first instance of daylight saving time in the U.S. to help conserve fuel and power during World War One. Bro, World War One was 105 years ago. See, man. we're what over the that. Hell is we're this? okay. The idea yeah. was that shifting time to get more daylight hours would reduce the need for lighting. After the war's conclusion, daylight savings time was abolished nationally, with some states continuing the practice. Some, Why did some states continue to practice? That's so, asinine. That's like forty-nine states still. You know, like, do we that don't shit. still. We don't still do uh, trench warfare, right? <laughs> That'd be kind they of. They outlawed cool mustard gas. Yeah, trench, trench warfare, or regular warfare. What would you prefer? prefer if I had uh, well, to go, what's, if, what's, we were, if I was drafted, what, is, what does regular mean? Like that? Like, could, is that just like, like anything? That's, like fighter jets and bombing people and drone strikes and whatnot, or trench uh, warfare? I, trench I think, warfare seems tough. Man. If yeah, I was drafted, I respect the trench warfare. Trench warfare was the worst. You get like, dude. Rat, used to it's get, not the guns that would kill you; it's the rats and the disease that would yeah, get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh. the trenches would get like all soggy. 
Then you um, got a dead body laying there. You got you got a shit in a hole. Mind. Yeah, no, you actually there was. I remember like reading about. Uh, there's actually like a condition you'd get called like trench foot, where like you like you like they had like their boots on for so long and shit. Oh. And like their socks would basically like fuse to their skin, Ew. and like so they couldn't take the socks off without it just like ripping their skin. Like, Ugh. yeah, never you don't mind. Want, yeah, what the mind. fuck? Okay. Yeah, you don't want trench foot. You want to be you want to be uh, operating a drone from a, a air conditioned uh, place in Las Vegas or wherever. Yeah, in a shipping container. That, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> Send me out the middle of the Corrado in a shipping container, and I'll fly a little drone that way. <laughs> Missy with that trench foot and gangrene shit, Vietnam stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, not one of my best takes. <laughs> it was a good toss. I apologize. For it was that. a good toss up. You, th- you, you think you think I'm I'm weird for not setting my clocks forward or back or whatever. Like, and you're you want here trench foot? Talking about it. It. <laughs> <laughs> how you'd prefer to fight <laughs> in trench warfare. <laughs> Although I used to fuck that shit up to Call of Duty, I will say that shit was fun. I like that. Isn't I Call of Duty rap- all World War Two? Well, it's all like modern stuff. I haven't played the older game, ones. Dude. The older ones were good. Yeah, that was all trench. You don't, you don't get you don't you won't get trench foot just from playing. Uh, I get sit my slippers playing that shit. Yeah, I don't get trench foot there. Anything else? <laughs> yeah. My foot might fall asleep here, and I'm like, oh man, I gotta <laughs> stretch your legs real quick. <laughs> but not bad. Damn. Yeah. Well, we're at about an hour. I think that think it's a good note to wrap it up on uh you know mv for mvp uh daylight savings time not a fan not a fan of trench foot <laughs> big time yeah here. all right so, thank you uh, all yeah thanks you all for tuning in for our, our second ep um i guess we'll probably be back Sometime Probably next week. week. Yeah. Unless the Eagles do something super exciting and we feel compelled to record. Yeah, if there's then. some crazy free agency shit, we might do a little emergency pod. But other than that, probably next week. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Bye, y'all. Peace.